Hey there, a warning before I start today's show. We're going to be talking about some pretty heavy topics. Today we'll be talking about mental health, anxiety, depression, and surviving suicide. Parental discretion is advised. In 2019, nearly 800,000 people died of suicide. That means every 40 seconds, someone was taking their own life. And suicide is a global phenomenon. And certainly there are populations, certain people, certain experiences that place you at greater risk of suicide. But for every person who dies from suicide, it's estimated that there's another 20 who've attempted suicide. That means for every one person who dies of suicide, there are 20 people who survive it. But death by suicide and suicide attempts are preventable. Now that is not to say that you, you alone can prevent someone from taking their own life or from even trying. But it does mean that we've got to start having these conversations more openly. We've got to remove the stigma. We've got to be able to know the signs so that There's something we can do so that we can intervene. So today, because of the pandemic, because of racial tensions, because of the world that we live in today, suicide rates are higher than ever. Now, I've heard reports that suicides are up nearly 200% so far in 2020, and I did my best to substantiate those statistics, and I can't tell you I can substantiate The number of suicides is that much higher. It wouldn't surprise me. I just can't substantiate it. But what I can tell you is that Google searches, calls to suicide prevention lines, and visits to online support groups are up more than 200% since the lockdown began. You should also know that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. In fact, I want to lead with some really powerful statistics so that you'll begin to think about this, not just in terms of you or your family members, but your neighbors, your parents, your grandparents, your nieces, your nephews. Every day, the CDC estimates about 123 people die from suicide, and that was in 2019. It's also estimated that only half of Americans who are experiencing some form of depression or anxiety ever seek treatment. But did you know that between 80 to 90% of people who do seek treatment for depression or anxiety find success by using a therapist and or a medical intervention? Did you hear that? Like 80 to 90% feel better. An estimated quarter million of people every year are survivors of a suicide attempt. In previous years, suicide was the second leading cause of death in the world for people ages 15 to 24. Today, it's the number one leading cause of death. And although more females than males attempt suicide, males represent 79% of all suicides in the United States, firearms being their most commonly used method. And for females, the most commonly used method is overdose, poison, if you will. Now let's talk about who is at greatest risk. First, it is our LGBTQ plus community. They are three times more likely, especially kids, three times more likely than a straight kid to attempt suicide. Oh, and P.S. If you have a sneaking suspicion that your kid might be gay, bi, trans, trust me, 
just accept them and love them. If you don't, they feel that, they know that. Don't assume your kid is straight is what I'm trying to say. Kids who worry about what their parents and society might think are three times more likely to commit suicide. 41% of trans adults say that they've attempted suicide. And the same study found that almost 61% of trans people who were also victims of some form of assault, 61% of those people have attempted suicide. Because get this, lesbian, gay, and bisexual young adults who come from families where either the belief, the notion, the sentiment was that they would be rejected because of their sexuality, those kids are eight times more likely to commit suicide than children who come from families where they feel very accepted. Each time an LGBTQ person is a victim of any type of harassment or abuse, that increases their risk of self-harm by almost 300%. Those are some of the most at-risk populations. The elderly, also a very high-risk population. What do I have to live for? I don't want to be a burden to my children. There's nothing for me to look forward to. But let's talk about risk factors regardless of population, demographic, that you want to be on the lookout for. These risk factors place people at a much higher likelihood of attempting suicide. Any previous known or unknown or diagnosed mental disorder, especially mood disorders, schizophrenia, bipolar, ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder, autism, any anxiety disorder, and certain personality disorders. Those who regularly use substances like, you know, drugs, alcohol, painkillers, people who tend to be more impulsive or aggressive, anyone with a history of trauma, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, people who are experiencing a major physical disability, setback, chronic illness, those with a family history of suicide, those who have a close friend or relative who've committed suicide. Anyone who's in recent job or financial distress, those who've recently lost a relationship, at greater risk for suicide is anyone who's being isolated or who lacks their peer social support. Now, I'm not even halfway through the list and how many of these things have been thrust onto all of us. I mean, we've been isolated. Our kids have been isolated. Our parents have been isolated. The financial devastation that we're experiencing globally is, it's undeniable but I'm going to keep going. Those in the military, in particular those who have served in combat, those who fear a stigma associated with therapy, addicts, former addicts, those who've been exposed to or who have had the notion of suicide normalized because of their group of friends, real-life circles, watching things in social media, on the internet, documentaries. And then there are those who, because of religious beliefs, believe that suicide is, in fact, a noble resolution to a personal dilemma. I guess what I'm trying to say is this is something we need to start talking about. We don't need to see more statistics because we know the risk factors. And the risk factors are now affecting more people than ever. So we've got to start talking about this now. I want to share with you a clip from the Today Show in 2019 featuring a clip of several suicide survivors. Take a listen. At the age of 10, I announced at the Thanksgiving dinner table that I was going to kill myself one day. 
I didn't believe that anybody would care if I was gone. I didn't think anybody would even notice. I remember thinking that my kids would be better off if I wasn't here. I think I just kind of wanted all of the voices in my head to go away. I was angry and depressed. Total darkness. I just felt desperate. You should just be dead. You're by yourself. I was alone. Nobody loves you. It came crashing down. I just wanted a way out. My name is Jennifer Priest, and I am 36 years old, and I live in Portland, Oregon. I like to spend my time with my family. I have a five-year-old son. Edwin is the absolute light of my life. My childhood was not the best childhood, and there were a lot of traumatic things that happened to me when I was young. Nothing really got resolved until after I was 18 and went to college and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. My longtime boyfriend and I had broken up. He left a note that said, you would be better off dead. All I could hear was the litany of, you'd be better off dead, you should be dead, you should be dead, you should be dead. I took half a bottle of Vicodin and chased it down with alcohol, uh, and I went to sleep. My name is Nancy Yvonne Williams Nettles. I guess around 28, um, I got married and had kids and all that, and then moved to Tennessee, hoping to get back together with my husband, and that didn't work out. It was painful because I truly loved him. I had lost my job. I'd been evicted for the first time. My stuff was laying on the sidewalk. You know, living out your car in a city you don't know with two kids, I couldn't see any way out. I could not see any way out. You know, I knew that if I did the right amount of pills and the right amount of alcohol, that would eliminate any chance of me being revived. My name is Jillian Shi. I'm 23 and I'm a nursing student. I live in Boston with my dog, Ellie. I think I started noticing something along the lines of depression when I was in high school. Excuse me, Ellie. And then once I went to college, I developed an eating disorder. I think it caused me to isolate a lot and I lost a lot of friends that way. I reconnected with a guy. It was a very rocky relationship, and I'm not even sure the guy that I was with knew what he was doing, but I think we were being intimate, and I wasn't okay with it. He didn't really seem to care, I guess. I think that there was already an idea of suicide in my mind. I took a bus down to a CVS. I looked at the price of all the pills and I thought, well, it's kind of a lot. And then I realized it's not gonna matter after I die. You know, when I first woke up, I felt hazy. I remember getting up 
and being confused as to what day it was. And then wondering why nobody had come in and found me, because it had been about a day and a half. And so in some ways it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Nobody did notice. And it was at that point that I was like, A, I need to call somebody. And B, I need to get back to the therapist's office because something has gone terribly wrong. I woke up from the suicide attempt. I was still in a state of shock and I didn't really realize the magnitude of what I had done. A part of me was kind of like, okay, that happened, I'm gonna go to school the next day. Everything's fine, I feel fine now. Once they took me to their psych unit, I kind of realized that nothing was gonna be normal. You know, everybody thinks when these famous people kill themselves, oh, how could they do that? They have everything. And they don't realize that it doesn't matter what you have. It's just your brain attacking you. In our community, in the black community, that is like, you do not talk about that. Eventually, I realized you got high blood pressure, you're taking high blood pressure medicine. Wait a minute. So you can do that. But because I have a mental illness and I'm on medication, oh, that's, oh, no, we don't talk about that. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to deal with it, but the reality is, if you don't deal with it, then it's going to get worse, just like cancer. I hope that people see that even if treatment can seem like a hurdle and seem to last forever, that it doesn't. I was very into instant gratification, I guess then, because I wasn't getting anything that I wanted when I wanted it. Like, I wanted to go back to school. I didn't want to be in the hospital. But now that I'm, like, kind of past that, Okay, well, maybe there's still a future. I know that there are lots of people who are survivors of suicide. I think my biggest goal, period, is to make it so that it is a conversation that we can have without it being stigmatized and judged. How many bananas do you think we need? Three. Three bananas? You're doing a really good job. I do consider myself a survivor. I attempted suicide. By some miracle, I lived. I tell my story because other people should know that on the other side, things do get better. I would have missed my beautiful son, who is amazing. I would have missed his first steps and his first word that we worked so hard to get. I would have missed him testing for his yellow belt and passing on his first try. There are so many things that I would have missed. To be here for those moments, it feels amazing. And there's nothing I want more in this life. It's worth repeating, 80 to 90% of people say that they find relief when they seek treatment, either via therapy or a medical intervention for their depression and anxiety. It is my mission that we can start talking about these things and that we begin to normalize, even prioritize the importance of working with a therapist on a regular basis. It's one of the reasons why I am so proud to have Talkspace as a chosen sponsor of the show. 
this is an affordable option. I mean, so many people are afraid to go to therapy because they don't know how much it's going to cost. They don't want to drive somewhere and awkwardly wait in a waiting room and run into someone they know. I get it. I understand that. That's why Talkspace is a wonderful alternative for you. They're going to match you with a licensed therapist. You can text that person. You can send them audios or pictures or video messages directly from your phone or your computer. It's super convenient. They're going to match you with a licensed therapist based on what it is you're going through, like your specific preferences. They have thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 different specialties. So if you have something very specific you want to work on, they're going to find the right person for you. And then once you're matched up, your therapy can begin the very same day. I've gone through this process myself. They ask the right questions. It's very personal. I've got to tell you, the bottom line is we all need to talk to somebody sometimes and Talkspace wants to give you an option that you deserve at a price that everyone can afford. So as a listener of the show, as a lifer, you get $100 off your first month at Talkspace. To match you with your perfect therapist, all you have to do is go to Talkspace.com or you can download the app. Just make sure that you use the code Shaleen because that's going to get you $100 off your first month. It's also an awesome way to show support for the show, but forget about that. It is an awesome way to support yourself. Again, it's Talkspace.com forward slash Shaleen. We've talked about the risk factors and you've heard from suicide survivors, people who have lived to tell, people who today are able to say it gets better. But what are some of the warning signs of suicide? Suicide indicators, if you will. Signs that someone you love might be in danger, might be at a higher risk than what you think, and they may need you to urgently intervene. Let's talk about what some of those things are. It includes hearing someone talk about how hopeless they are or feeling no purpose. If you hear someone you love feeling as though they're trapped or like they can't breathe or the pain is unbearable or they feel like they're in an unbearable situation, when you hear that there's like a lack of hope, signs that someone is dealing with suicidal thoughts is when they talk about being a burden to others. You notice that they're becoming more anxious, more agitated, or maybe more reckless. Signs also include suddenly sleeping all the time, sleeping during the day, sleeping in later in the morning, or sleep disturbances where they just can't go to sleep at night. Withdrawing or noticing attempts that they're trying to isolate themselves. And maybe they're mentioning loneliness, but at the same time, taking certain steps to not interact with others. Extreme mood swings. If you're concerned about your kids' activities, I hope you're watching what they're doing online. Take a look at their search history. Look at their search history on YouTube, on Twitter, their internet browser. When you hear someone talking about wishing they would die or just go to sleep and have this all be over with, especially if you hear someone talking about killing themselves or even jokingly, it often starts that way. We've got to start taking these things seriously. And this is my own opinion. So insert that warning here. If you have a child, it's your obligation to protect them. So this notion that it's an invasion of their privacy, if you believe your child is at risk, if they're exhibiting some or many of these signs, it's your child. 
you have permission from me. I'll write you a note if you need it. To know what they're looking at on their phones, on their computers, what they're talking about with their friends. What are they journaling about? Start by having a conversation with them. But I just know too many parents, personally, who learned that their child was considering suicide only after that child's first attempt. And that's despite thinking they had an open conversation with their children, asking them regularly, are you sure you're okay? Are you sure everything's all right? You would tell me, of course, mom, are you kidding? I would never do anything like that. And it's more common than you might assume, especially when it enters into their school, kids that they know, and especially a friend group. If someone you love says something like, nothing really matters, or I wonder if anyone would come to my funeral, I wonder if anyone cares. If you hear someone say something like, sometimes I wish I could just go to sleep and never wake up, or all of this would just go away if I were gone. Some days I feel like everyone would be better off without me, or dismissive comments like, you won't have to worry about me much longer. As a parent, when we hear our kids say things like that, you sometimes wonder, are they trying to get my attention? And one of the worst ways we could respond is by saying, don't say that, you don't mean that. Because then what we're doing is invalidating their feelings. Because there's so much change affecting our adolescents, I think they are at greater risk than we could ever possibly have imagined. And I know you, I know you love your children so much. So I want to provide for you a resource that I located online. It's a resource that's been created for parents who have had a child who survived suicide. So I think it's written from a really interesting perspective. You'll see that I placed a link in the show notes for this podcast. And after reading through it, I realized there's just so many things that we can learn to do better when we learn from someone, parents who've been through this. This week on my blog at shaleen.com, you'll find more resources if it's suicide you personally are struggling with or if there's a loved one that you're trying to help. You'll find additional resources in my show notes if it's you or someone you love who's struggling with suicide. And I want you to look at those numbers. Put them in your phone. You just never know when you might need them. Countless resources, whether it's a number to text a stranger anonymously, online support groups, or just additional resources. We've got to lift the stigma that's associated with having these thoughts. There is no shame in having suicidal thoughts. There is no shame if you are a parent who has a child who's attempted suicide or whom you're worried about them being suicidal. And my heart aches for every one of you who've lost a loved one to suicide. I know that grief is layered and complicated. And lastly, if it's you who's been struggling with these thoughts lately, I have a special poem I would like to read to you. These words were written by John Pavlovitz but they were meant for you. Dear friend, I don't know you, but I know something about you, and I know you're tired. 
I know you live with demons, ones that are close and loud. I know how relentless they are in their pursuit of you. I know that you spend your days trying to silence them and your nights trying to hide from them and the hell that they put you through. Most of all, I know how hard you work to hide it all, to pretend you're fine, to paint a convincing smile upon your face and to act as if all is well with your battered soul. I know that all of this has left you exhausted, that you've numbed yourself and hurt yourself and starved yourself in hopes that those voices would become silent and their fists would be lifted and you finally could breathe again. I know that right now it doesn't seem like that moment will ever come. I know right now you'd rather leave than live. And even though I'm not standing in your shoes, and even though I don't know you, and even though I have no right at all, I am asking you to stick around. I'm asking you to stay, please, to endure your incredibly painful, totally senseless now, because I can see your gloriously, blindingly beautiful then, if you do. If you stick around, you will reach a spot that the sadness won't let you see right now. You will reach tomorrow, and that place is filled with possibility. It's a day you've never been to. It's not this terrible day. There, you will not feel exactly what you're feeling right now. You will be stronger. You'll see things differently. You're going to find a clearing. And life may look a way it hasn't looked in a long time. It may look like it's worth staying for. Stay. Hang on. You are loved. Things will get better. This is a plea. It's a promise. It's a dare. An invitation. Tomorrow is a place where hope lives. And I want you to give yourself a chance to share that space with that hope to dance with it, to rest with it, to dream within it because you deserve it. If you stick around, you'll travel to amazing places that'll take your breath away and you'll see sunsets that have yet to be painted in the evening sky. If you stick around, you'll eat a cheeseburger, one that'll cause you to make actual audible sounds in public and you won't regret it. If you stick around, you'll hear that song that'll change your life and you'll dance to it like no one's watching. And then you won't care if they are. Stick around. You're going to find yourself in the embrace of someone whose path you'll beautifully alter with your presence. If you stick around, you'll hold your babies, you'll see movies, you'll laugh loudly, and you will fall in love. And you'll have your heart broken. And then you'll fall in love again. If you stick around... You'll study and learn and grow and find your calling and find your place. And you'll lay in the grass, feeling gratitude for the sun on your face and the breeze in your hair. If you stick around, you will outlive your demons. And yeah, there will be other stuff too. There will be disappointments and heartache and regrets and mistakes 
And yes, there will be moments of despair, painful seasons, dark nights. You'll screw things up and you'll be let down. You'll be hurt and you'll wonder how you'll ever make it through. But then you'll remember the hell that you walked through to get here. And you might remember you did it. And you'll realize again, you're going to be okay. Because tomorrow is still waiting for you to dance, to rest, and to dream within. So this is a reminder from someone who sees what you may not see from here, the future. One that will be a lot better with you in it. Stay. Hang on. You are loved. Things will get better. I promise. Cry, get angry, ask for help, punch a wall, scream into your pillow and take a deep breath. Call someone who loves you. When you let people in, the demons shrink back. So allow others to carry the sadness for you until you are stronger. This is a plea, a promise, a dare, an invitation to stay. Hang on. You are loved. Trust me, things will get better. I love you. I mean it. I'll talk to you soon.